So we're about 15 minutes late. Sorry about that, guys. I was actually out stuck in the Walgreens drive-thru, which is never a fun experience because pharmacy drive-thru lines just seem to take the longest. I mean, I consistently have to remind myself that we're not dealing with like McDonald's or Wendy's, which don't eat any of those, by the way, because they're not healthy for you. But what's going on, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. You know me. I'm your host, Usaid Koshal. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Usaid Koshal. Follow my co-host, AJ Desai and Sam Stevenson as well. They are on Twitter at AJ Desai 4 and at SJSteve9. What's going on, guys? How are we doing today? Just getting used to the new name still. For some reason, I thought you were going to say barely hibernating, and I forgot we changed the name last week. But I'm doing great. Let's talk a little Bears. How are you doing, AJ? Doing fantastic, man. I mean, you know, just remember every week that we have Justin Fields on this team. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Justin Fields is definitely exciting, but what's also exciting is this, guys, is we're sponsored by Audacia Sports. Go check them out for some really great quality, affordable stickers. Get them for your phone, your laptop. They are a very simple birthday gift. 100%. Easy to get. Very affordable, cool designs. I think they're dropping a Justin Fields design too. I know they teased that a little bit on social media. I'm excited for when that drops. I'm definitely going to be buying that one for sure. Guys, I think it's interesting because Nick Foles, let's start with this. Pretty much the Bears tried to trade him. The report came out that nobody wanted him. And Sam, I'll go to you. What do you think the significance is of nobody wanting Nick Foles? And then I'll go over to AJ. I mean, let's be completely honest, besides a Super Bowl MVP that he won that was basically given to him on a very talented Eagles offense back when they won that Super Bowl, Nick Foles' career has been anything but amazing. It's been lackluster. It's been maybe solid, you know, and definitely in terms of earnings has been pretty good for in terms of his talent. But you look at the last two seasons he's had, and yes, he broke his collarbone in Jacksonville, but at the end of the day, he lost his starting job to Gardner Minshew, who is now probably going to be phased out of Jacksonville, and Mitch Trubisky, who isn't even on the Chicago Bears anymore. So it's a little bit funny considering the Bears gave up a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles, but in terms of uh, knowing the knowledge and and understanding, and I see someone else has logged into Gym Class Villains, um, in terms of understanding the... Um, game and understanding how the defenses work. It's just another mind. <laughs> I swear to God, that's not me. It's just another mind to be in Justin Fields' corner, right? You have Andy Dalton, you have Nick Foles. Both guys are going to be in this corner. And clearly, unless something happens, Foles is going to be a Chicago Bear in 2021. So in terms of that aspect, it's just another mentor for Fields. But I think it's hilarious that nobody wanted him. I actually, I made a meme for Lakeshore Live uh, where basically I said, we will take anything for Justin Fields. We'll take a rock. Um, if Justin Fields, excuse me, Nick Foles, I would never give Justin Fields away in a million years. But all in all, I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. I'm going to go to you, AJ, and uh, shut down Jim Class Villains' Twitter for a little bit um, so that that doesn't happen again. <laughs> You know, no worries, man. You know, that was that was really cool stuff. I mean, obviously over there at Gym Class Villains, give them a follow out there. I mean, a, good, a really, really nice spot out there. So, um, but yeah, going back to, um, you know, Nick Foles, I mean, you know, I think the Bears are just like, you know, I mean, they're not probably dumbfounded that they're not being able to find like, find like a suitor for Nick Foles or anything like that. But, you know, just like Sam said, you hit it on the nail pretty well, you know, 
uh, Super Bowl MVP with a really talented Eagles offense and with the defense on his side that really helped Nick Foles and the Eagles team win that Super Bowl. It was more of like a team effort going back. And then, like, you, you know, like him going and getting that money in Jacksonville and Jacksonville, like, quickly found out that Nick Foles wasn't the guy that they thought they were, that they signed to a four-year $80 million to, I think, whatever the number was. But, you know, and then a year later, he's shipped to Chicago for a fourth-round pick, who Jacksonville did please us. But, you know, um, you know, putting all that to a side, obviously, you know, now you're in a situation where Nick Foles is not wanted. And, you know, I think it's a situation where the Chicago Bears could just, like, keep Nick Foles until a team needs a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, 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 you know, I, I really think that like there could be a team with a good quarterback and that team team's quarterback could get injured. I, I don't wish injuries upon anyone. It's just, just me saying a prediction that like, if Tom Brady like breaks his thumb, Nick Foles in that offense, I think would be okay. You know? And then you can get a pick from, um, from, from a uh, Tampa Bay like that. You know, I mean, that's what I think the Bears are going to do because you can't trade him, right? You you incur a cap loss there. You can't cut him. You incur a cap loss there. You know, the whole idea is you can trade him after June 1st, but, I mean, how much are you really saving? You can just – I mean, you're saving future money in 2022's cap situation, but how much are you saving this year? So that's what the Bears have to figure out and what they can do. I, I think what they're going to do with him is just they're, they're just going to hang on with him and hang on to him and ship him off to a team that their starting quarterback got hurt. And then, you know, maybe that way um, you can do that. So see, uh, and we'll, we'll get to the comment in a chat in just a moment here. Well, I think what the significance of this, no one wanting Nick Foles. Here's the significance is the bears fell flat on their faces again, when they were trying to create competition last year for Mitch Trubisky. Look, they traded for Nick Foles in mid-March, guaranteed a, him $21 million, traded away a fourth-round pick because your whole thought process was, you know what, I don't want someone to replace Trubisky, but I want someone to come in and that's going to push Mr. Trubisky. Now, the issue with that is that you could have gone into the offseason with Nick Foles and it's still been able to draft Justin Fields. But you didn't do that because the Foles experiment just failed so badly last year. The significance of no one wanting Nick Foles ultimately just comes down to the simple fact that you knew Foles didn't work out. You didn't want to make the same mistake twice. So you went out and you paid Andy Dalton $10 million. Mm -hmm. That's the significance of this. Now, here's what's going to happen. AJ, you talked about trading him to Tampa Bay. Honestly, the Bucks are not that stupid. I really think what will happen is they would rather play. They would, they would rather play Kyle Trask as well as Blaine Gabbert over Nick Foles, because again, Trask could be the future quarterback. I mean, they took him with what the final pick in the second or third round, which just shows that, you know what? They do view Trask as a guy who behind a really solid offensive line could be successful. Maybe not Tampa Bay, but the team up North Jacksonville. Yeah. Jacksonville would be another intriguing option for Foles, but I just think ultimately like Nick Foles is stuck on the bears roster, but I see windy city 
0810 here says, I think the Jets trade for him in the summer to teach Zach Wilson. That is certainly a possibility because the Jets don't have any good veteran quarterbacks waiting in the bridge. But then I will also say this, the link between Douglas as well as Foles is there because they were together in Philadelphia. You can connect the dots here. The Jets do make sense. But then at the end of the day, Joe Douglas is not going to get fleeced. And I just don't see him giving up any significant draft pick for Nick Foles. At best, I would say they give up like a conditional sixth or seventh rounder that only transfers if Foles ends up playing like X amount of snaps, for example, which we all know that's not going to happen because Zach Wilson's starting the entire season in New York unless he gets injured. Fuck it. Let's just keep him. Who cares? <laughs> Let's just keep him. I mean, if you look at his contract a little bit, the, one of the things that the Bears had laid out in his new contract was a potential out in 2022. So it may be more sense to try to maybe move him next year. Um, I, I mean, obviously playing around with spot tracks here a little bit. A post-June 1st release would save the team about $3 million in cap savings, whereas as a post-June 1st trade, you're looking at more like $8 million. I guess it just depends how much dead cap the Bears are willing to take. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously trading him pre-June would be nice too, but I just don't think anything's going to happen this year unless kind of to both AJ's point and you said's point, a quarterback gets hurt. Like I just think that's the only real possibility of Foles being not on the roster. I imagine he's going to be inactive and Dalton and Fields will be QB1 and QB2. Um, again, he knows the game well, but in terms of just playing it, he's just not, he doesn't have it anymore. And again, I don't want to ever discredit his run that he had in Philly because that was unbelievable. One of the best Super Bowls I think I've watched in some time. But at the end of the day, it's just we don't. The Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles is in the past, and you know there's a lot of opportunity for him to get paid sitting on this bench and teaching Fields and just being a part of this team. And God forbid something happens, he's a serviceable backup as best. But I think he's probably going to be a Chicago Bear the rest of the year unless something drastic happens in 2021, which you never know. I just, I, I just like before you say before you go, I just want to like say this like I mean I said fucking let, let him to stay, but like you know. Let me just say one thing. It's really hard to move a fully guaranteed contract in this league. It's super, it's difficult. Like, it doesn't matter what the value is. It's just like no team is going to take on that salary, like, unless they really need to. And, like, I, you know, just resorting back to your point, you said, I mean, I, I just completely forgot. I blanked. I didn't even know the Bucks drafted Kyle Trask. Like, I didn't, I didn't watch the draft after the 39th pick, bro. Fuck the draft at that point, dude. I was just, like, drinking beers. Justin Beals and Kevin Jenkins, yo. And, but, like, you know, yeah. But, like, like I said, I mean, even if a court a starting quarterback, start, a, a team starting quarterback got hurt, you're still looking at, like, a, fifth or sixth round pick it's not like the like the team would give you a fourth or third you know for Nick Foles you know the contract has to be looked at and all that and I really hope that like you know like like you said Sam I don't think it's going to happen this year it might it might happen next year where the deal is like levied in the Bears favor Again, I just don't see it happening before we get into our next point regarding David Montgomery here. I just don't see any team or GM deciding, well, let's trade for Nick Foles. Because ultimately, you look at that Eagles roster, what was it, three or four years ago at this point, they had one of the best rosters in the NFL. And really, Peterson dumbed that system down to the point where Nick Foles was looking like a really good quarterback. Ultimately... It's just, it's just going to be very hard for the Bears to kind of get any sort of 
significant asset in return for Foles. But moving on from Nick Foles here, I mean, there's a running back that's going into year three in David Montgomery. And AJ, I'm going to go to you on this one. Does 2021 spell a true breakout season for David Montgomery? Yeah, man. I mean, this this uh, revitalized offensive line, you have a run mauler in Tevin Jenkins and a great pass blocker in him, and then you're getting your offensive line back basically to full health. You're going to get James Daniels back, who had that shoulder injury, uh, Cody White here, who, who was battling um, COVID and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, obviously, Sam Mustafir, I call him Musty, he plays center. And um, Jermaine Effetti will play at the right tackle position. So you're obviously going to see a different offensive line where I think David Montgomery should have, like, he should have 1,500 all-purpose yards behind this offensive line. It's, it's, it's built, you know, they got a true left tackle, and, like, if they keep on running um, ISOs and all that stuff, he should get, like, five or six yards per carry. It's not, like, David Montgomery is a workhorse. And, I mean, you know, there's not a question for me that, like, this guy is going to break out in his third year where there's going to be a third possible extension on this Bears offseason next year. So, yeah, definitely going to break out. Yeah, I think in terms of Montgomery's player ability, I have no concerns. Um, I think it kind of falls more on two things. Number one, Matt Nagy. Um, I think Matt Nagy is going to have a very – not tough season in terms of playing, but tough season in terms of he's going to be kind of more on the hot seat. I think – Ryan Pace has secured more of his job, but as Matt Nagy secured his job. So I think you look at the Bears offense from last year, you look at the rankings overall. They were 30th overall in offensive rankings. They were 25th overall in the league in rushing yards and 27th in rushing attempts and touchdowns. Now you look at the Bears running back room, right? You're hopefully getting Tariq Cohen back this year. You drafted Khalil Herbert. You brought back Tariq Cohen. You have all these nice pieces, but you know that Montgomery is going to be your workhorse. And AJ brought it up perfectly. The offensive line is hopefully going to be upgraded. James Daniels is hopefully going to be coming back from his torn pack that he received last offseason. You have guys like Mustafir and Bars who are probably going to be competing for starting time. Cody Whitehair, and then obviously Tevin Jenkins, who we drafted in the second round. So this is hopefully going to be an upgraded offensive line. But at the end of the day, it always think is going to fall on Matt Nagy when talking about Montgomery's success. David Montgomery has been was a thousand yard back last year, despite the offensive struggles and despite Matt Nagy's inability to understand that running the ball is not a terrible thing. So in all honesty, I think it falls on Nagy here. And and you said I would love to hear more what you have to think, but that's just that's just what my thought is. I think Montgomery's an athlete is gonna be able to do it. I just think it also falls on how our offense is gonna operate. He is, and you guys touched on it. When you look at the Bears' offense, let me give you guys some really interesting numbers. And I said this last year, too, by the way, because I pick up on these trends way before anyone else does, which is why you should be following me more on Twitter. Follow these guys as well, and follow the podcast. Seriously, look. Look at David Montgomery last year. He only had... He had a great year first off. He had 1,508 yards from scrimmage total, both as a runner and receiver. He had 1,070 yards rushing, but it took him until week 12 to have his first 100-yard rush game. That is bad for a player that you traded up 14 spots for in the 2019 NFL draft. Had 54 receptions, doubled that number from his rookie season, but the Bears aren't getting the return on investment in th- that they put into David Montgomery originally. And I will say this as well. AJ's right. You have an offensive line that's 
got some maulers on there that are going to push people off the line of scrimmage. Larry Barome's a big, powerful guy. Same with Tevin Jenkins. Same with Daniels and Cody White here. Now, if they figure out that right guard spot and that right tackle spot, which should theoretically be either Bars or Effetti, one of the two, then you are going to have an offensive line that's going to know how to push guys off the line of scrimmage. And David Montgomery's consistently shown he is the type of player that will get any sort of push. And he's a hard runner, and he does way better when the front five and the five guys in front of him, the offensive line, those guys are pushing on the line of scrimmage. Like, you feed him, he gets better as the game goes on. So everything's aligning for Montgomery to break out in 2021. It's just a matter of are the Bears legitimately going to decide to be an offense that is going to be kind of a run first. And we'll get to that in a moment here, but we've also got a really cool question in the chat. Do the Bears announce the pace and Nagy extension? Let me project this up on screen. I will let you guys go here, but let's be honest. The Bears already, the Pace Nagy extension is already announced the moment the Justin Fields pick was announced. Because if you're George McCaskey right now, there is no way that you are thinking you got the second best quarterback, arguably, in the nation in the NFL draft. There's no way you're letting Pace and Nagy go now after just one season. What was viewed just three weeks ago as being a lame duck year is no longer a lame duck season for the Bears. Go ahead, Sam. Go ahead. I don't really have much else to add. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I, I, there's nothing. I mean, I'm sure they're probably already going to be extended because, again, it, you said it perfectly. They drafted Justin Fields. You're not going to let go of your general manager and your head coach after drafting a rookie quarterback like Justin Fields. Now, yeah. I mentioned it earlier. I think Nagy's job is more on the hot seat this year than Pace because I think Pace has been able to show that he can build a roster around a quarterback once. It was the wrong quarterback, but... Regardless, I digress. And now it's up to Nagy to show that now that they have their guy, can he bring some of these elements of this Kansas City offense to the Chicago Bears? That's really all I want to add to this. Again, I'm sure it's going to happen. I'm sure it's not going to happen for a while, but I'm going to go now to you, AJ, on this because I don't have anything else to add to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to um, end one thing. I think I think Ryan Pace has signed his extension. I think Matt Nagy's extension is, like, in George McCaskey's top right-hand drawer right now. Because, like, you know, like, ever since Ryan Pace has hired in this organization in 2015, and he's worked his way up, he's proved his way through the John Fox era, and he was able to get Matt Nagy. And now that he... Like, like you guys said, drafted Justin Fields 11th overall. He's solidified his spot as a GM. So it wouldn't surprise me if Ryan Pace is signed as the GM of this team through 2026 because he's deserved it. But as far as Nagy goes, and this is where I'll end off on it, I think his extension on that dotted line, there's no signature yet because George McCaskey is playing a little game theory here. Because if it doesn't work out with Matt Nagy, you could go to Kansas City again and try to poach Eric um, Biennemi. Because that would be a great duo between Justin Fields and Eric Bieniemy. Well said. I would say people talk about Pace and Nagy being tied together at the hip, but let's be honest, Pace has done more for the McCaskey family and the Bears organization than a lot of people realize. Because with Pace, it just doesn't start and end with the Trubisky pick. He's the guy who essentially took the Bears and revolutionize them into a modern NFL franchise. The 
multi-million or billion dollar expansion project and renovation that you see at Hallis Hall, that was done by Ryan Pace. That was not Matt Nagy. But speaking of Matt Nagy here, one of the biggest issues, guys, that we had with the Bears offense in 2020 was that they ran two different types of offenses because you had an offense that when Nick Foles was under center, you did not reach 100 yards rushing. You only eclipsed 50 or more yards three times. You had the highest run pass to run ratio in the NFL to the point where your offenses were so pass first. It got to a point where it was almost like just feed David Montgomery because the reality of the situation was that your quarterback wasn't good enough. And how do you mask a quarterback's deficiencies in the NFL? Well, you run the football. So AJ, I'll go to you here. Should the bears offense be run first in 2021? Absolutely. Ground and pound, baby. That's how you move. That's how you open up things in the past game for Justin Fields, right? Like when you run the ball successfully, you say you will get like areas where like there are blown coverages, like miss, like, uh, like miss coverages, whatever you want to call it, blown or missed, same thing. But that's how you open up the scoreboard in the NFL. You start by running the football, you get a couple of first downs, and then what you do is you find your look downfield which most likely after a first or second, third down that you get on the ground, it's going to happen because Justin Fields has ran that. Because, like, if you remember, like, how Ohio State played in that Clemson game, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, is that they started running the football and then Justin Fields started taking his shots. And then they started mixing the, mixing the run back in. And guess what happened? They created more opportunities down the field. So – to, to match it with your pick and your quarterback pick, absolutely. You have to go run first. You have to be able to to give Justin Fields these open looks because, like, when he has these open looks after you get two, like I said earlier, two or three first downs on the ground, he's going to have that ability to get a 50-yard touchdown, which would erupt Soldier Field. Like, I mean, why wouldn't it? I mean, be crazy. But, yeah, that's my answer. Round and pound, baby. Um. Let's get to this question after this, because I do want to add something to what AJ said here. Um, just a reminder, and I just had to look this up, Justin Fields rushed for 28 rushing touchdowns and over 2,000 yards during his two years at Ohio State, and he runs a 4-4 unofficial 40-yard dash time. The dude's fast, and the dude's quick, and he's mobile. And the other thing, too, is, is I just don't think you addressed – I think the uh, with the offensive line being addressed more and the running back moves that were made in both free agency and the draft – I think the Bears are 100% going to run the ball more just because I think it's going to give a little pressure off a rookie quarterback. I think if you look at Mitch in 2018, one of the things that Mitch had the advantage of was a was a grinder on the offensive line in Jordan Howard and a dual threat kind of guy in both passing and the rushing game in Tariq Cohen. Obviously, things have kind of changed a little bit now with David Montgomery, and I know the offensive line has regressed the past couple of years, but... If you believe that this group is going to work well and you want to help your new rookie quarterback out a little bit, especially if he starts earlier than people think, I 100% believe that the Bears should go run first. I think it's going to be up to Matt Nagy to get his head out of his ass and realize that he has weapons in the running game and to not use a kick returner as a backup running back. Um, I'm just throwing a little bit of shots to the 2020 season there, there. But in all honesty, I do hope that the Bears go run first until they feel as if they can get more comfortable in the passing game. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as Justin Fields is the one behind that line of scrimmage because I know he can run a whole lot faster than Andy Dalton. But I digress with that. I'll go to you, you said. 
obviously, I know you two, you guys want Justin Fields starting week one, but we'll get into who should really start week one, give our objective non-biased takes in a couple moments here. Look, I think the offense has to be run first for one major reason, because when you look at that 2017 season where Mahomes was in Kansas City, I mean, who was the number one running back or one of the best running backs in the NFL that year? Kareem Hunt. And they ran the ball heavily, and Hunt was like obviously one of the top at his position just as a rookie in general. And people talk about that year, Alex Smith having an MVP type season. He did have an MVP caliber season, but let's be honest, he was also surrounded by playmakers and that running game really bailed Alex Smith out. I think that if you're going to open the year with Andy Dalton under center, which again, we'll get to in a couple moments here, and you have Bill Lazor as your offensive coordinator, just go back and look at the numbers, man. I mean, that final season that Lazor and Dalton were together in Cincinnati, that Bengals offense had Joe Mixon. They rushed for 100 or more yards 11 times. And then there was one time they got 99 yards. And then two other times they got 60-plus yards. And just one time where they had only 48 yards. That is an impressive number that the 2020 Bears, by the way, would love to replicate. I just think that Montgomery, like I mentioned, he continues to get better and better and better as the game goes on as long as you consistently feed him. So going run first is not just about protecting Andy Dalton or protecting Justin Fields or feeding David Montgomery because you have David Montgomery. It is more so about knowing what the real limitations of your veteran quarterbacks are of your veteran quarterback is in Dalton. It's about knowing the limitations of what your rookie can and can't do. And this isn't to say that there's a ceiling to what Justin Fields can eventually become, but as a rookie, you got to play it safe and you got to realize that it's better for you to utilize the talent around you on your offense and kind of let the game come to you rather than just trying to go and be this pass first offense. Cause right now, let's be honest. I mean, you can't ask Andy Dalton to, run a pass first offense you can't ask justin fields to do so is fields going to get to that point eventually yeah but right now you have to play it safe and just utilize your really good running back that you know is quite frankly the security blanket for your team because when montgomery gets going the rest of the offense gets going but windy city 0810 has a question was this ryan pace's best draft class he went off go ahead aj um I think the last year one was with um, with Darno Mooney and who was the guy that we drafted in the second round? Wait, can you guys give me a refresher? Uh, Jalen Johnson. Jalen, Jalen Johnson. That's right. Okay, Jalen Johnson. <clears throat> yeah, Jalen Johnson. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, sorry guys, I should know this. But <laughs> my bad. You're yeah, good. I got. You. I mean, I, w- I would say last year's was the was the best draft, um, draft class that um, that that Ryan Pace got. Uh, I mean, you know, Darnell Mooney was able to come in and actually break the rookie rookie, rookie receptions record set by, I can't remember, was it Bernard Berrien or something like that? I can't, I, I don't know. That but, I can't help you with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. No, wait, no, it was Curtis Conway. That's right. All right. So, yeah, he broke that record. And so that record was in the books for, like, you know, over – 14 or 15 years now. So, uh, see, like, you know, I mean, the Bears haven't won shit, so I'm just, like, throwing out, like, random numbers. So, um, yeah, I would think this was the be- uh, this was the second best class coming up because you got 
guys like Justin Fields, obviously Tevin Jenkins, Daz Newsom, sure. Um, but I just want to go. See, I just want to see those guys before before I make any judgments. I mean, obviously, yeah, you got three great players, but like you know, like when Daz Newsom comes in and makes an impact, like Darnell Mooney does, then I can be like, oh. Daz, New- Daz Newsom turns out to be, turned out to be like that, but like you know, Darnell Mooney was a gem, um, a diamond in the rough. So got him, and um, you know, Jalen Johnson actually played pretty well. You know, uh, there was a couple of areas where you know he was he was struggling, but you know he built on having good performances um, week by week. So that was really good too. But yeah, I would say that is a better draft class for now. But if Justin Fields goes out there week five and throws five touchdowns, Giovanni, that's going to change in five seconds. I think the best way to answer this question is we'll see because as much as as Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins get me really excited for what could happen on this Bears offense, I just don't know if it's proven that they're truly going to be the best class Pace has ever had. Um, I'm hoping it will be the case because I do agree. I think he was very aggressive in this draft and I appreciate those moves that he made. Um, One draft class that I'll bring up that I think sometimes gets overlooked is the 2016 draft class. Listen, there were some guys on this. There's a majority of the guys in this team from this draft class that are still on the team or are still in the NFL. Obviously, I know Leonard Floyd is no longer on the Bears, but now signed a max contract with the Rams. You got guys like Cody White here that you were able to get in the second Nick Kwiatkowski, who was an awesome player for the Bears this past couple of years before signing with the Raiders. And then you got guys like Deion Bush, DeAndre Hall, who are all still on the Bears, still contributing on special teams. I I mean, I think that draft class, in all honesty, just had the most players that the Bears were able to utilize. Um, I don't think it was the best draft class the Bears ever had, but I always like kind of forget about that draft class of Ryan Pace. It's like the one class I can't remember unless I look it up, which I just did. Um, But to keep this brief, and I'll go to you, you said here, I hope it's the best draft class Pace has ever had because there is a lot of guys in this class that could potentially be really, really important to this Bears roster in the long haul. You mentioned 2016. I will fast forward two years. I'm actually going to go with the 2018 class. You have Roquan Smith there as your first round pick. James Daniels, a really solid offensive lineman in round two. Anthony Miller, all right, a guy who I know I've had really split opinions on, but that's also because his games have been really split as well, just between you get good Anthony Miller and then bad Anthony Miller. So just the inconsistency drives me nuts. But Miller... Hopefully he turns it around in year four. And then you also have in round five, you got Bilal Nichols, man. I mean, how many teams can say that they found four starters in one draft class? They really can't say that. So to this date, I would say Pace's best draft class is the 2018 class. Now, that was also the same class that had guys like Joe Iubuniway. I believe Steven, well, Steven Denmark was 2019, but Iubuniway was in that 2018 class. So was Kylie Fitz. Fitz isn't even on the Bears roster anymore. Iubuniway is just going to be a depth piece or social or social media while special teams guy. So that 2018 class, I think, is by far the best class that Pace has had. You look at 2019, I mean, you had Montgomery, Riley, Ridley, Kareth White, Steven Denmark, Duke Shelley. Out of that class, it's looking like Montgomery is going to be your only starter. 2020 was a really good draft class because you got your future inline tight end and you got Jalen Johnson, who a lot of people have high hopes for, and then Darnell Mooney. Now, I'm still split on Travis Gibson, Arlington Hambright, and Lacavius Simmons, but Simmons, but hey, that 2018 to 2020 drive, those are forming the foundations for your future you look at 2017 man 2017 i'm split on because you had three bad picks in 
Morgan, Adam Shaheen, as well as Mitch Trubisky. But then you also did in that draft get an all pro returner in Tariq Cohen, as well as an all pro safety or pro bowl safety, I should say, in Eddie Jackson. And then looking at the 2021 draft, this could be the one that does turn the tide in Chicago. But the difference with this draft class is that anytime a team hits on a quarterback in the NFL, automatically the importance of that draft class is kind of inflated simply because they hit on the quarterback. So 2021 has the potential to be Pace's best draft class, but you have to judge it in the context of not Fields and Jenkins. You kind of have to judge it in the context of what did Pace do with the other five draft picks that he had, which would be Khalil Herbert, Larry Barome, Daz Newsome. I forgot who else. Thomas Graham. Yeah, Thomas Graham Jr. and then Chris Tyonga from BYU. Because ultimately, a lot of Bears fans talk about, well, Pace's best drafting comes in day three, in rounds four, five, six, and seven. And if those guys pan out, knowing that this is an aging roster moving, it's a per, I shouldn't say it's an aging roster. It's an aging defense, but it's a roster that has the perfect mix of young guys and vets because you're older on the defense, on the defensive side of the ball but you're so young on the offensive side of the ball i mean the bears oldest players on offense are graham at 34 and dalton at 33 there's a youth movement happening on the offensive side of the ball here which means that the bears are trying to shift towards kind of a true like you know offensive minded team but overall man i would say 2018 drafts the best class for me then the 2020 class 2016 was really solid and then the 2021 draft. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, I look at the 2019 class, and and it just seemed like I was so – it was kind of the first draft class that I really, truly paid attention to in terms of the Bears. I mean, obviously, I followed the other draft classes, but 2019 was the first year that I really was, like, looking up some of these guys and stuff, and I was like, whoa, Riley Ridley, like, Bears just got a stud wide receiver and all this stuff. And now you look at the class two years later, and it's like, uh, at least we got David Montgomery sort of a thing. And then obviously Duke Shelley is going to probably be competing for some playing time and who knows what the heck's going to happen with Ridley. But I, I do think the 2018 class was very successful. And I hope that the 2021 class is Pace's draft class, because if you get those two guys that you picked early to be long-term franchise pieces and everyone else on the team can contribute in some way, that's a W in my mind. I have nothing else to add to that. The last thing I will add is that, like, you know, as long as all these guys come in and just, like, you know, perform for us, I don't really care what year it is. I mean, you know, I mean, but, like, you know, talking technically, you know, I think you say it's right. I think, you know, when it comes down to, you know, drafts, I think that 2016 draft is what we forget about a lot. And then, you know, what you said 2016, yes, 2016 and then 2017, yeah, Leonard, I think Leonard, no, 2016 was Leonard Floyd, but the 2017, I didn't really like 2017. You only really got Tariq Cohen and Eddie Jackson out of that, I believe. Um, and then 2018, I love Roquan Smith. You know, when we got, when we drafted Roquan Smith, I was really, really happy. Um, and then obviously uh, 2019 and then 2020. Um, so like, we'll see what, uh, what it is, but like for right now, I think it's, um, um, from 2018 to 2020, I think those are Pace's best drafts with a sleeper in uh, 2016. So that's a good call. You said, I mean, I, I never really thought about that. The 2016 draft being actually a good one because like, you know, it's mostly overlooked because Leonard Floyd is not a bear anymore. So. Yeah, it's definitely one of those. I mean, I feel like 
Leonard Floyd was never as bad as some Bears fans made him out to be. Because if you're, if you're, I'll say this: if your justification or judgment of a player starts and ends with his production, then you have a flawed opinion because you need to go look at the tape and look at NFL Game Pass. But hey, listen. So schedule release is coming out on Wednesday. I'm excited, man, because it's definitely a very tough schedule for the Bears. But then you also look at a lot of winnable games. And again, we've seen in this league, all it takes is one or two dominoes to really fall in your favor for you to go from being an eight-win team to let's just say a 12-win team. And early returns on the Bears, you have some pundits in the national media that are saying, well, the Bears are making the playoffs because of Justin Fields. You have some pundits in the national media that are talking about, well, this year's a developmental year. They are not going to be making the playoffs. It's going to be more so of just year one of the true Justin Fields experiment. But AJ, I'm going to go to you on this one, dude. Who do you think your toughest matchup is? Your um, toughest matchups? Oh, toughest matchups. I mean, obviously, you know, the team up north do what they do. Green Bay, um, that's uh, one of them. Uh, Cincinnati will be um, – let me pull up the schedule real quick. Um, I, I'm just remembering on the top of my head, that it will be a really tough matchup. I mean, I don't know what uh, – how Cincinnati is going to match up against this, but, like, you know uh, – it's uh, I think that game in Joe Burrow's second year, he's going to have an idea of like you know taking the next step. So that's going to be an interesting game to watch. Um, oh, one game I was pulling up the schedule and then something else happened. It went to a different website. But anyways, I'm here. Um, I think the 49ers might be a little bit challenging. Um, you know, this is a really, really tough schedule. You know, guys, this is the second hardest schedule that we're gonna we're gonna face. So, uh, Baltimore Ravens will be tough. Um, a couple more to say, and then I'll, and I'll pass it over to Sam. Is that then? The, then you have the Seattle Seahawks. You never know with Russell Wilson. The last meeting that we went, we went, we went, we went over to Seattle, and we got blown out there, twenty six to six. No, twenty six to zero, actually. And then last but not the uh, last two games that are really, really difficult. That I would assume um, the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, just, um, just based off of like you know uh, past performances and all that. So. Uh, it's a tough schedule. It's the second toughest in the league, and the Bears are going to have their hands full. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of tough matchups. AJ, you brought up a couple of matchups that I actually wanted to bring up, and I believe that the span of games that I have brought up here is weeks 8 through 12, but I'm not totally 100% confident on that. But it's going to be the first time that the Packers, that the Bears play the Packers, then a matchup with the Rams, followed up by the Seahawks and Browns. This swing of games concerns me a little bit because if you look back at the Bears in 2020, right, and kind of the – the soft pillow that the Bears had the first six weeks, right? At one point, the Bears were 5-1 and one and the best team in the NFC. And yes, there's quite literally a picture of the Bears being number one ranked in the NFC that exists somewhere on the internet in 2020. Then the Bears started getting into a tough swing of games. They included the Titans. It included the first matchup against the Packers. There was a couple other teams in there as well that I don't remember. I believe the Vikings were in there as well. And that was kind of when we really discovered who the Bears were in 2020. And it was a pretty tough time to be a Bears fan, I won't lie. And, and covering the Bears was just brutal. It was a toxic environment. Everywhere you looked, everyone was so angry about how this Bears team was falling apart, even though some of us who are a little bit smarter and know more than just that a record doesn't mean anything – knew that this Bears team clearly had issues despite a 5-0-1 record. Uh, all three of those people are included in this chat, as well as uh, some of our other friends. But the reason why I think the swing of games is going to be so tough is because, again, 
we're going to kind of pretty much figure out who the Chicago Bears are in 2021. I believe this is going to be the point where all the teams are going to be in their midseason form. Injuries are going to start happening. Who are team? What teams are starting to take control of their conferences? Mm-hmm. And listen, I think if the Bears can win a few of these games, great. But I would not be surprised if the Bears struggle in this stretch of games here. Um, I think the Packers, if they have Aaron Rodgers next year, will be in control of the conference again, um, at least for the NFC North. I think the Rams are going to be a very solid team with the addition of Matthew Stafford. I always think the Seahawks' offense will have a step there, and they've made some improvements on defense. And it looks like the Cleveland Browns are going to actually be a more legitimate team than people think. I like Kevin Stefanski a lot, and their additions in the draft were just unbelievable in terms of their defense. Their defense is a little bit intimidating, I will not lie. Um, So that swing of games is where I'm at in terms of where the schedule, I think it's going to take a bumpy turn. You said, I go to you on your thoughts. Overall, it is one of the toughest schedules in the league. And keep in mind, the Giants actually own the Bears' first-round pick next year. So a lot of Giants fans are talking about, could the Bears have a top-10 pick or even a top-5 pick? Could the Bears be so bad in 2021 that they're going to finish with like a top five or top 10 pick. Yeah, that is not going to happen. But you look at the schedule, man. I mean, the division just overall is very winnable because let's just say, and we'll get to Aaron Rodgers in just a moment here, but let's just say Aaron Rodgers is not with the Packers in 2021. And even if he is, there's going to be so much discontent and the discontent is going to show to the point where it could legitimately affect the outlook of the Packers season. I mean, Minnesota, we know what they are, man. They're a balanced 50-50 offense. They're a team that is continuing to break in a really young defense that underwent a full rebuild last offseason. Kirk Cousins has always been below average. Detroit, I get, yeah, you've got Jared Goff. You are probably transitioning into more of a run-first offense with DeAndre Swift leading the way now that you release Kerry and Johnson. But then look at Arizona, man. I mean, Arizona, they added A.J. Green and J.J. Watt. I think if Kyler Murray gets the reps that he needs, he is going to be a true... Arizona could turn into a true Super Bowl contender. San Francisco is a complete toss-up because they had a lot of injuries last year. They lost Robert Saleh. I think when you lose a great coach like Saleh, it's always going to be fair to expect some sort of regression, similar to how the Bears' 2019 defense took a step back when they lost Vic Fangio. Baltimore, look, they finally added some pass catchers. They got rid of Orlando Brown Jr., however. Their biggest question is going to be, can Lamar take the next step? as a passer and not just as a runner you look at Cincinnati man you could argue they probably messed up because they drafted an offensive tackle in round two but then again you Sewell was sitting right there on the board you went with Jamar Chase instead I think Cincinnati's a winnable game the Giants they have a really solid all-around roster they added tons of speed to the offense this year Saquon Barkley is going to be back and healthy Kadarius Tony exists Evan Ingram you have Darius Slayton you have Kenny Galladay Hey, the question is, though, can Daniel Jones take the next step? Can you protect your young rookie quarterback? With the Cleveland Browns, they're interesting because there's a legitimate argument to be made. Are they a one-year wonder, or are they a team that's ready to take a Super Bowl step forward? I would say with the Browns, when you add a guy like Jadavian Clowney, although he is a glorified run-stuffer, or run-stopper, I should say, I would not be surprised if the Browns are in Super Bowl contention, despite the fact that they finished, like, what, third in the AFC North last season? L.A., okay, you no longer have Todd Gurley, but you're going to be a pass-first offense because you have Matthew Stafford there now, a quarterback who has just been hindered by the Bad Lions franchise. Looking at Pittsburgh, man, Pittsburgh's interesting because they drafted a running back. They have Pat Freermuth as well, a tight end who a lot of people say is Travis Kelsey-Light. 
The question with Pittsburgh is how long will Big Ben hold up? Because Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins are waiting in the wings. Seattle, did they really do anything to help themselves this offseason besides getting Russell Wilson back? Not really. I just see a roster that has Dwayne Eskridge, Tyler Lockett's there, DK Metcalf is there. But they're going to need more than just those guys plus Russell Wilson to truly compete because Russ's biggest discontents with the offensive line Tampa Bay, the Bears beat Tampa Bay last year with Nick Foles under center. So that I think you could consider to be a very winnable game. And then that Raiders game, man, that Raiders game needs to be an automatic W. I think Bears fans are actually talking about doing a full-scale Bear report meet. Just the Bears meet up in Vegas. The Bears need to win that game in Vegas because they lost the last time because they got punched in the mouth because of different time zones. Yeah, I, I think the Bucks are going to fucking paste our ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, I just like the way that you said that. Uh, I, I mean, the only reason, only reason I throw the Seahawks in there into that mix of games is just because I think you can never count out Russell Wilson. But I think it's interesting because I think, like, you bring up, you, bring up, you know, the Giants and all these new weapons and stuff. And, and, and again, it's fascinating, but – I just don't believe in Daniel Jones as a quarterback. I'm going to be completely honest. I hope he proves me wrong, but I I just don't think that kid has what it takes. And that's a shame because I, I kind of liked Joe Judge last year. I like the guys that they've brought in. And uh, I just I just don't believe in Daniel Jones. That's just me. I, I think the Bears can pull it with another win against the Giants. And, again, I think these early wins will be big, but it's going to be that midseason form that really is going to prove if the Bears are going to be playoff team or just kind of fighting for scraps. Cause that's really it. You know, it's just, it's all about just playing good football and, you know, keeping your team healthy. And, you know, I could say, you know, Seattle, like what I just mentioned before, when you guys went like Seattle, Pittsburgh, Tampa, uh, what is, what else? Cleveland, um, you know, all these games, like every game in the national football league is winnable. I just think it's like how the team approaches it. So if the bears can find a way to like, you know, minimize mistakes and just continue to do what they're supposed to do. And if Matt Nagy, like you mentioned earlier, Sam, in the podcast, if he pulls his head out of his ass, he can go 17 and oh with this team. If he really wanted to, he can go 17 and oh, like, you know, I don't think the bears, I don't think he realizes the, the potential in this bears offense and the receivers that we have and, and running back that we have. And now with the rebuild offensive line, like, I just want to, like, squeeze this question in. Do you think this Bears offense could be better than last year? Like, miles better? Like, light years better? I think they can be. Like, you know, like, they built the, re- the offensive line. They're more solidified in their wide receiver room. They have a fucking quarterback now, a running back that can do it. So, I mean, can this Bears offense carry their defense if their defense takes a step back? Like, if, like, some injuries happen? What do you guys think before we go into this whole Justin Fields and Andy Dalton um, fiasco. I think they can, but it's going to come down to this. The question is going to be, can Andy Dalton play good enough to keep the team afloat until Justin Fields is ready to play? And I will say this, just looking at the Bears' schedule, we've known who they're going to play since December. Mm-hmm. I think right now, take out the six division games because you have to win your division to get into the playoffs, but there's four or five games really that are going to determine the Bears' playoff fate in 2021. I'm looking at the matchup against... Arizona, San Francisco, the LA Rams, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are the four games because you could make an argument right now that all four of those guys could be playoff teams. And if you win against, let's just say in that stretch, you go three, 
Four and zero would be ideal, but you're probably going to go two and two or three and one at best to really give yourself an upper hand in the playoffs. I mean, all I hear is four dubs. That's what all I hear. Yeah. I mean, and obviously we won't know until the season actually begins, but I do agree. And you know what's fascinating is I always feel like the Rams game for the Bears determines the outlook of the season. And I actually think Robert Smith said that um, on a different show or something like that. I remember him talking about that. Like the Bears, whenever the Bears play the Rams, that is like the outlook of what happens to the season. Like in 2018, or I think I believe it was 2018, um, when the Bears beat the Rams and everyone was like, wait, this Bears team might actually have a run prior to the tragic playoff game that occurred. I think in 2019, when the Bears got stomped by the Rams, we realized that we were no longer the team of 2018. I feel like the Rams game, like, for some reason, always is the outlook for the Bears season. Um, so that'll be a game I will be particularly excited about. Um, and I'll be excited to see how Matthew Stafford does in that new offense, being a non-Bears fan for that, just being an NFL fan in general. I'm excited for Stafford. I hope he does well there, but I digress. Um, I have nothing else to add to that. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, you know, obviously, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But you see, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Dalton against Justin Fields, basically. Here's my take. I talked about this last week. If Bears fans had their way, Justin Fields would be starting week one. But I think if you're a franchise that's been around for 102 years, you're a franchise that has been in the family for, what is it, like five or six generations at this point. You've never had a franchise quarterback. It's really a sad state of affairs, Miss McCaskey and Mr. McCaskey, when it's been that long and it's taken you 100-something years to find a franchise QB. Look, I'll be real, man. Starting Fields Week 1 is great, but again, this isn't a one- or five-year investment. This is a 15- to 20-year investment. I don't care if you don't make the playoffs in 2021, even though I just talked about it, because everything we're doing on this podcast is hypothetical at this point. Just start Dalton Week 1. Let Fields kind of learn the speed of the NFL game, because Fields has shown he's got it physically, he's got it mentally, but... He's got it mentally at the college level. The question is, does he have it mentally at the NFL level? That's going to be the big thing. Because I actually talked to someone today that covers UNC football. And he told me an interesting tidbit. He's like, look, Mitch Trubisky had it mentally. But it just didn't translate over to the NFL level. And that is someone that covered UNC when Trubisky was there. So I think that if you're the Bears overall, you got to protect your investment here. This is your long-term investment. Start Dalton week one. Just play it safe. Do it right as a franchise for once. Otherwise, you're going to be back in the same spot in 2025 or 2026 when Eli Manning's nephew is going to be coming out of college. Damn. That was nice. Roasted. Roasted. AJ, you go ahead because I want to collect my thoughts here. Yeah, that was that was just awesome. You said, holy shit. That was that was how old is Eli Manning's nephew? Like probably thirteen or twelve right now? Holy He's shit. in high school, I think. He's okay, a, yeah, he's even, a sophomore. Even, damn. Okay, so is he is he gonna follow that Tennessee old Misra like his like his um like his brother like his uh, like his uncles did maybe oh my god anyways that was great you said holy shit you gotta zip that up and put that on Twitter that was awesome I'm um, clipping that clip it and ship it clip it and ship it exactly yep let's start a company like that billions of dollars anyways yeah I mean to me you know as a Bears fan as a former season ticket holder who's trying to get his season ticket holders um season tickets back. Um, you have to call the guy tomorrow. Um, he, what's going like what? What? How I process this is that like you know, ever since I walked into the stadium at 2001, that was my first Bears game. I was only like seven years old. Um, 
And it was brand new, got the spaceship look to it and everything. It was all cool and everything. So I'm, I'm walking in, and then, you know, I, I, I just see George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, just standing there. And just like, just like looking off of it, my dad told me that, like, just because of those two people, nothing in today's football is going to happen. Like, like my dad's a Packers fan, and like, I just want to stress this one point real quick: is that like, when we walked into the stadium, it's like, and he was right. Twenty years later, like, he's like, I bet you guys a hundred dollars that you, yeah, I bet you, son, a hundred dollars that your guys are not going to start Justin Fields Week One because you should. Cause you should, but you guys won't. I took that bet. I'm an idiot. Cause I'm going to lose a hundred bucks because you already know how this bears organization acts. They're just going to go back to their old ways and just be like, Hey, we signed Andy Dalton under a $10 million contract and he's not going to play one game for us. Nah, man, he's definitely going to play the first quarter of the season. Get ready. Bears fans. It's going to be the first five games. Like you have a 17 game season right now. There's no reason why he can't play five games. If Mike Glennon went all the way to week four, Andy Dalton is going to week five. I give him an extra week, but that's it. There's no way in my eyes that I see Justin Fields start week one. It's just how the organization asks. Like, me and you said no this, man. Like, they, they, they do this all the time. Like, it doesn't make sense, but it is what it is. All right. This is what I'm going to say because – the smart part of me knows that Dalton is probably going to be the starter week one. Yeah. However, my mindset is that you should always start your rookie quarterback. And I believe in this because if you invest into a rookie quarterback, you are clearly trying to move the franchise in a new direction. I also want to talk about rookie contracts for a second. When you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, and you find out that this quarterback is going to be very good for your team, example perfectly would be Justin Herbert, every game that Justin Fields doesn't play, and this math probably isn't perfect, is about 2% of that rookie contract that you are putting to waste. And let's be real here. Do teams win a lot of Super Bowls when quarterbacks sign that first extension? I think some examples might be Russell Wilson. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Patrick Mahomes. There are quarterback. I mean, Jared Goff, you could even argue with that. Um, and obviously, that's not always the case. Brady went and signed a big deal with Tampa Bay, and they won a Super Bowl. So it's not always about the rookie contracts. But I wanted to bring that up because, again, you're wasting away that potential window. And it's not that the Bears necessarily have a window. I, I am realistic. I understand that we are some pieces away. And I understand that the Bears probably want to do this Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes 2.0 thing. But do we have the luxury or the roster to do that? I mean, Alex Smith in 2017 won the Kansas City Chiefs like 11 games, I think, or something like that, and they made the playoffs. The Bears do not have that on this roster with Andy Dalton. I'm going to be completely honest, even with the upgrades to some of this team in terms of the draft and stuff. And it's not like Fields is going to just win us more games realistically. I have absolutely no idea. But let me say this. Number one, I think Fields is a better athlete. I think he is has a better arm. Um, I mean, you look at some of the guys the Bears have signed in terms of long ball players, the guys who can spread the offense out and open up the field, in Damian Bird, Marquise Goodwin, Daz Newsome. Um, and Fields is accurate long to mid-range, which is obviously something that I think Dalton struggles with a little bit, especially with the long ball. 
The reason why I want Fields to play, though, is that kid has a chip on his shoulder. I am so sick and tired of seeing these NFL meme accounts that say, oh, Justin Fields is so happy to be in Chicago. And then it's the picture of him frowning with his jersey. And all these pictures of him that look like he's so upset. He is a competitor. He has a chip on his shoulder. He was arguably the second best quarterback in this draft class. And he got taken 11th overall and got passed up by multiple teams. Yeah, the dude's pissed off. He wants to go prove that he's a franchise quarterback. And he's coming to a city that is desperately in need of a franchise quarterback. And we talked about it last week, the offensive and defensive morale. If Andy Dalton trots out there versus Justin Fields. I know that Dalton is probably going to start week one, and I I will have to accept that when it happens. But I would rather know what you have in fields now. I want to see this kid go out there and light it up. If he's the better quarterback in training camp, you play him in training camp. I mean, the dude is sending Matt Nagy videos of him working on his hard count in a hotel room. How many rookie quarterbacks are doing that right now? Well, Mitch didn't know what a hard count was. so Exactly. And Mitch wasn't as confident in his abilities. Listen, Mitch is a nice guy. He is a great person. But he does not have that competitive edge and that mental fortitude that Justin Fields has. Not even close. You know more about Justin Fields' game than we did with Mitch. With Mitch, there were so many question marks. And I remember that Vikings game that he started in. And there were moments where I was like, man, this guy might actually have it. And there were moments where I was like, that was a really, really bad mistake he made. I remember the, the, the brutal interception in that game to Harrison Smith, I believe, that pretty much iced the game. And I was like, I don't know if he's going to be able to get over that mental block. And hey, newsflash, he didn't. Took him four years, made the same mistake every single year. I don't think I see that in fields. I see a more confident and capable quarterback. I want to know what I have in this quarterback. And if he struggles... I'm okay with Dalton coming in for a little bit. I'm not, I'm not concerned if, if Fields isn't great in his first year. Mm-hmm. My rant is over, though. Realistically, it's going to be Dalton, but Bears fans, I am rooting for Justin Fields to start week one in my heart, but in my mind, I know it's probably going to be Dalton. Everyone's rooting for Justin Fields, but another thing we're rooting for, guys, is there's a lot of drama up in Green Bay. Last week, we talked about Aaron Rodgers not wanting to come back. This week, you have so many more reports. The organization split, man. I mean, Devontae Adams kind of said something today where he was just like, hey, if Rodgers isn't back, I would have to have second thoughts. I'd have second thoughts about playing here in Green Bay. And then you have the Denver media that's talking about, well, Denver could be a legitimate possibility. I really think this is heading towards the point of no return because nothing new has come out on the... Aaron Rodgers' side has not said anything new. The Packers continue to insist we're invested in Aaron Rodgers, which is a generic statement because any NFL team that has a Hall of Fame quarterback, despite all the drama, is going to be invested in a future Hall of Famer. AJ, I'll go to you on this one. Are you surprised by Devontae Adams' comments at all? Because this is a player that's going into year eight at this point, and he's been there since 2014. He took off in 2016, man, but still, he's become Aaron Rodgers' best friend. Besides Jordy Nelson, but are you surprised at all with Devontae Adams' comments? No, not at all, because, you know, he's a, he's a guy that wants to get his bag. So, I mean, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers not being there in 2021, right? We're in the year, I'm getting confused because of COVID. But, like, in 2021, you know, 
you know, obviously you have Aaron Rodgers and the speculation of him not being a Packer. And, you know, the production of Devontae Adams, if he stays in the Green Bay uniform, that goes down drastically if Aaron Rodgers is dealt to a Denver Broncos team or something like that. And like, that's going to, that's going to affect other teams. If he does hit the free agent market a year from now, um, and there's going to be questions that like, Oh, you put up 19 touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers, but you only put up six with Jordan love. Are you as good as you think you are? Like, I think Devonte Adams is real is a really good wide receiver, but I think Aaron Rodgers being in green Bay levies that for him. Because, like, like, like I said, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, what's the production of the wide receivers? Like, like you can't get you can't get the maximum effort out of Alan Lazard, Marquez Valles, Scantling, um, and Devontae Adams if, if he's gone. Like that, that's just my opinion because you know, like he's the best quarterback in the league, and if he's traded, then the production of the wide receivers goes down. And like to answer your question, you say the comments. I'm not surprised at all. He's just looking for his future and his bag for the future. And you know, and then another guy that you say Coach will mention was um Robert Tunyon Jr. So like, how does all this production um stay the same or or like no, sorry, how does all this production stay the same? If Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay, I think it drops and it ruins the. It doesn't necessarily ruin it, but it, it, there is kind of a drop back in Devontae Adams' career. Like, come on, like this guy had what 18, 19 touchdowns? Like, that's just unheard of. Like, you know, I mean, he's a he's an incredible wide receiver, but how much does that levy with Aaron Rodgers? You know what I mean? So, I mean, how do how is he going to play it out with his contract extension? I don't know, but like you know, I'm not surprised at all. You know, it's just a man that he's looking after his bag and what he wants to do. Simple. I hope they both go bye bye and are yeah. never in a Green Bay uniform again. I love this drama. I've been eating it up. It is fantastic to watch the Green Bay Packers explode before my eyes while I lean back in my chair and watch as Justin Fields is my quarterback for the future. I could not be more happy about this swing of things. And listen, I think Devontae Adams is a hell of a wide receiver. I think if even if Rodgers is gone, I think he could still have a somewhat decent production. Obviously, it depends on who plays quarterback. Um, you know, and I hope he gets his bag, kind of like what AJ said. But if both those guys are one, two, gone out of the Packers in the next few years, you're not going to see Sam Stevenson complain about it. You're going to see Sam Stevenson lean back, sip a beer, and smile because watching this franchise explode could not make me any happier. And they actually passed up on Elijah Moore in round one in favor of Eric Stokes, a cornerback <laughs> that a lot of people did not think was even a first-round cornerback. I will say this much, though, before we wrap up and get out of here. The Bears may waste elite defenses, and I know no one has said this. The Bears may waste elite defenses, but the Packers waste elite quarterbacks. No one's honestly said that, and that's no. probably the realest statement that you're going to hear about all this Packers Aaron Rodgers drama. I just think overall, when you look at it, the organization's a mess. Aaron Rodgers could come out and put all this to bed, but he's totally silent, and that silence at this point is really telling about something. It's going to be something to monitor, and maybe we'll discuss it in a couple weeks here. But guys, listen, this has been fun. We're going to get out of here because we're well past the one-hour mark. Look, don't expect an episode next week. We need a vacation from podcasting as well. This is, I think, episode 25 or 26, so we just hit a big milestone, but hey, listen, 
Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Fireside Bears. Follow AJ and Sam on Twitter at AJ Decipher and at SJ Steve Nine. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Usaid Koshal. Check out our Got work, it. guys, on Empire Sports Media. Huge shout out to our guy, Max Smith. You can follow him on Twitter at Max Smith ESM. He runs our TikTok handle. We'll be back in two weeks, guys. The week that we're back, we might actually drop two episodes because we're going to have a prominent Bears YouTuber on, but then also a guy who just did a video breakdown on Justin Fields. We're working on that right now, but have a great two weeks guys we'll catch y'all in mid-may around memorial day weekend but peace out ladies and gentlemen bear down baby